Section thirteen of A Voyage to the Moon by Cyrano de Bergerac, translated by Archibald Lovell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter eleven of the manner of making war in the moon, and of how the moon is not the moon, nor the earth the earth. One morning early, having started out of my sleep, I found her taboring upon the grates of my cage. Take good heart, said she to me yesterday in council a war was resolved upon against the king i hope that during the hurry of preparations whilst our monarch and his subjects are absent i may find an occasion to make your escape how a war said i interrupting her have the princes of this world then any quarrels amongst themselves as those of ours have good now let me know their way of fighting when the arbitrators replied she who are freely chosen by the two parties have appointed the time for raising forces for their march the number of combatants the day and place of battle and all with so great equality that there is not one man more in one army than in the other all the maimed soldiers on the one side are lifted in one company and when they come to engage the maréchal de camp take care to expose them to the maimed of the other side the giants are matched with colossus the fencers with those that can handle their weapons the valiant with the stout the weak with the infirm the sick with the indisposed the sturdy with the strong and if any undertake to strike at another than the enemy he is matched with unless he can make it out that it was by mistake he is condemned for a coward when the battle is over they take an account of the wounded the dead and the prisoners for runaways they have none and if the loss be equal on both sides they draw cuts who shall be proclaimed victorious but though a kingdom hath defeated the enemy in open war yet there is hardly anything got by it for there are other smaller armies of learned and witty men on whose disputations the triumph or servitude of states wholly depends one learned man grapples with another one wit with another and one judicious man with another judicious man now the triumph which a state gains in this manner is reckoned as good as three victories by open force after the proclamation of victory the assembly is broken up and the victorious people either choose the enemy's king to be theirs or confirm their own i could not forbear to laugh at this scrupulous way of giving battle and for an example of much stronger politics i alleged the customs of our europe where the monarch would be sure not to let slip any favourable occasion of gaining the day but mind what she said as to that tell me pray if your princes use not a pretext of right when they levy arms no doubt answered i and of the justice of their cause too why then replied she do they not choose impartial and unsuspected arbitrators to compose their differences and if it be found that the one has as much right as the other let things continue as they were or let them play a game at picket for the town or province that's in dispute but why all these circumstances replied i in your way of fighting is it not enough that both armies are equal in the number of men your judgment is weak answered she would you think in conscience that if you had the better of your enemy hand to hand in an open field you had fairly overcome him if you had had on a coat of mail and he none if he had had but a dagger and you a tuck and in a word if he had had but one arm and you both yours nevertheless what equality soever you may recommend to your gladiators they never fight on even terms for the one will be a tall man and the other short the one skilful at his weapon and the other a man that never handled a sword the one will be strong and the other weak 
and though these disproportions were not but that the one were as skilful and strong as the other yet still they might not be rightly matched for one perhaps may have more courage than the other who being rash and hot-headed inconcerned in danger as not foreseeing it of a bilious temper a more contracted heart with all the qualities that constitute courage as if that as well as a sword were not a weapon which his adversary hath not he makes nothing of falling desperately upon terrifying and killing this poor man who foresees the danger who has his heat choked in phlegm and a heart too wide to close in the spirits in such a posture as is necessary for thawing that ice which is called cowardice and now you praise that man for having killed his enemy at odds and praising him for his boldness you praise him for a sin against nature seeing such boldness tends to its destruction and this puts me in mind to tell ye that some years ago application was made to the council of war for a more circumspect and conscientious rule to be made as to the way of fighting the philosopher who gave the advice if i mistake it not spake in this manner you imagine gentlemen that you have very equally balanced the advantages of two enemies when you have chosen both tall men both skilful and both courageous but that's not enough seeing after all the conqueror must have the better on't either through his skill strength or good fortune if it be by skill without doubt he hath taken his adversary on the blind side which he did not expect or struck him sooner than was likely or feigning to make his pass on one side he hath attacked him on the other nevertheless all this is cunning cheating and treachery and none of these make a brave man if he hath triumphed by force would you judge his enemy overcome because he hath been overpowered no doubtless no more than you'll say that a man hath lost the victory when overwhelmed by a mountain it was not in his power to gain it even so the other was not overcome because he was not in a suitable disposition at that nick of time to resist the violences of his adversary if chance hath given him the better of his enemy fortune ought then to be crowned since he hath contributed nothing to it and in fine the vanquished is no more to be blamed than he who at dice having thrown seventeen is beat by another that throws three sixes they confessed he was in the right but that it was impossible according to humane appearances to remedy it and that it was better to submit to a small inconvenience than to open a door to a hundred of greater importance she entertained me no longer at that time because she was afraid to be found alone with me so early not that impudicity is a crime in that country on the contrary except malefactors convicted all men have power over all women and in the same manner a woman may bring her action against a man for refusing her but she durst not keep me company publicly because the members of council at their last meeting had said that it was chiefly the women who gave it out that i was a man which was the reason that for a long time i neither saw her nor any other of her sex in the meantime some must needs have revived the disputes about the definition of my being for whilst i was thinking of nothing else but of dying in my cage i was once more brought out to have another audience i was then questioned in presence of a great many courtiers upon some points of natural philosophy and as i take it my answers gave some kind of satisfaction for the president declared to me at large his thoughts concerning the structure of the world they seemed to me very ingenious and had he not traced it to its original which he maintained to be eternal i should have thought his philosophy more rational than our own but as soon as i heard him maintain a foppery so contrary to our faith i broke with him at which he did but laugh and that obliged me to tell him 
that since they were thereabouts with it i began again to think that their world was but a moon but then all cried don't you see here earth rivers seas what's all that then no matter said i aristotle assures us it is but a moon and if you had said the contrary in the schools where i have been bred you would have been hissed at at this they all burst out in laughter you need not ask if it was their ignorance that made them do so for in the meantime i was carried back to my cage but some more passionate doctors being informed that i had the boldness to affirm that the moon from whence i came was a world and that their world was no more but a moon thought it might give them a very just pretext to have me condemned to the water for that's their way of rooting out heretics for that end they went in a body and complained to the king who promised them justice and ordered me once more to be brought to the bar now was i the third time uncaged and then the most ancient spoke and pleaded against me i do not well remember his speech because i was too much frighted to receive the tones of his voice without disorder and because also in declaiming he made use of an instrument which stunned me with its noise it was a speaking trumpet which he had chosen on purpose that by its martial sound he might rouse them to my death and by that emotion of their spirits hinder reason from performing its office as it happens in our armies where the noise of drums and trumpets hinders the soldiers from minding the importance of their lives when he had done i rose up to defend my cause but i was excused from it by an accident that will surprise you just as i had opened my mouth a man who with much ado had pressed through the crowd fell at the king's feet and a long while rolled himself upon his back in his presence this practice did not at all surprise me because i knew it to be the posture they put themselves into when they have a mind to be heard in public i only stopped my own harangue and gave ear to his just judges said he listen to me you cannot condemn that man that monkey or parrot for saying that the moon from whence he comes is a world for if he be a man though he were not come from the moon since all men are free is not he free also to imagine what he pleases how can you constrain him not to have visions as well as you you may very well force him to say that the moon is not a world but he will not believe it for all that for to believe a thing some possibilities inclining more to the yea than to the nay must offer to one's imagination and unless you furnish him that probability or his own mind hit upon it he may very well tell you what he believes but still remain an infidel i am now to prove that he ought not to be condemned if you lift him in the catalogue of the beasts for suppose him to be an animal without reason would it be rational in you to condemn him for offending against it he hath said that the moon is a world now beasts act only by the instinct of nature it is nature then that says so and not he to think that wise nature who hath made the world and the moon knows not herself what it is and that ye who have no more knowledge but what ye derive from her should more certainly know it would be very ridiculous but if passion should make you renounce your principles and you should suppose that nature does not guide beasts blush at least to think on't that the caprices of a beast should so discompose you really gentlemen should you meet with a man come to the years of discretion who made it his business to inspect the government of pismires giving a blow to one that had overthrown its companion imprisoning another that had robbed its neighbour of a grain of corn and indicting a third for leaving its eggs 
would you not think him a madman to be employed in things so far below him and to pretend to give laws to animals that never had reason how will you then most venerable assembly justify yourselves for being so concerned at the caprices of that little animal just judges i have no more to say when he had made an end all the hall rung again with a kind of musical applause and after all the opinions had been canvassed during the space of a large quarter of an hour the king gave sentence that for the future i should be reputed to be a man accordingly set at liberty and that the punishment of being drowned should be converted into a public disgrace the most honourable way of satisfying the law in that country whereby i should be obliged to retract openly what i had maintained in saying that the moon was a world because of the scandal that the novelty of that opinion might give to weak brethren this sentence being pronounced i was taken away out of the palace richly clothed but in derision carried in a magnificent chariot as on a tribunal which four princes in harness drew and in all the public places of the town i was forced to make this declaration good people i declare to you that this moon here is not a moon but a world and that the world below is not a world but a moon this the council thinks fit you should believe end of chapter eleven